0: Welcome to Season 10 of the Parenting Aces Podcast, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Lisa Stone, and I am so excited to check back in with one of last year's podcast guests, Nate Gross. Nate is the founder and creator of Spec Tennis, and... For those of you who may have missed our episode last year, there will be a link to it in the show notes on parentingaces.com, but I'm really excited to chat with Nate and kind of hear what's been going on with Spec Tennis over the last year, the growth in what he's created and um, yeah, how different coaches are using Spec Tennis to help their junior players develop how families are using it. There's a lot going on. Before I bring Nate on, though, just a quick reminder. If you haven't become a premium member of Parenting Aces yet, we would love to have you. Just go to ParentingAces.com and click on the Join button very simple to do. And um, yeah, we've got so much happening around here. Lots going on in the world of junior tennis, lots of changes going on in the world of college tennis. So I encourage you to follow us on all our social channels. Make sure you don't miss anything because we don't want you to miss a thing. All right. All that said, let me bring Nate Gross on. Nate, it is such a pleasure to chat with you again. So much has been happening in the world of spec tennis. So welcome back to the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me again, Lisa. So fill
0: us in. I mean, I'm reading testimonials from all kinds of famous people in the tennis world and the business world. It's really exciting.
1: Oh, thank you. It's It's been pretty fun.
0: So for those that aren't familiar with spec tennis, maybe they missed us last summer. Can you just give us a little rundown on what spec tennis is?
1: Yeah, so it's a racket sport that's played on a pickleball court, uh, but it's very tennis-like. You use an 18-inch paddle with holes in it and you use an orange dot low compression tennis ball, which is 50% less pressure than a regular ball. And so it works really well on that smaller court.
0: And after last year's pod, you sent me some paddles and balls to play with at home, which was great during the lockdown because it allowed me to get out and hit some balls against my garage and with my husband and um, just kind of keep my tennis skills, well, not perfectly honed, but at least not have them go away altogether. How was the sport played? I mean, you mentioned the paddles, you mentioned the orange dot ball, but Scoring-wise, um, court-wise, what does it look like?
1: So you play no ad tennis scoring uh, with an underhand serve. So first to win four points wins a game. And then you also play short sets. So first to four games wins a set. And so the sets happen pretty quick. Uh, matches happen pretty quick. You can play five sets maybe in an hour. And so it's a, it's a lot of fun. There's not a lot of time in between, uh, in between points because the balls are contained in a small area. And also without having a second serve, you only get one serve. uh, There's no missing your first serve in the net going to pick it up. So everything happens pretty quick, um, pretty fast paced.
0: Why spec tennis as opposed to pickleball? Or do the two work hand in hand since it's played on the same court?
1: Uh, Pickleball, you need a a different skill set than you do for tennis. um, Whereas I found with spec tennis, you can use the exact same skill set that you need for tennis. And so tennis players coming to spec tennis can pick it up quick. Also, people who are looking to eventually get into tennis can learn the skills that are needed for tennis um, because of the way the rules are structured in pickleball and the ball and the paddle, um, you're hitting a lot of different types of shots. And so while, while you may get good at pickleball, I don't see that directly translating to you being able to rally a tennis ball on a full-size court back and forth. Um, but I've had a lot of experience with players in my tennis lessons, starting them off with spec tennis, teaching them a skill and then you kind of using a progression model where as they get good at that skill, I put them in various scenarios, then move them back a little bit further from the net, and then eventually transition them to a tennis racket um, using the same skill, just a little longer tool.
0: Got it. So specifically, what skills are you talking about? I mean, let's, let's kind of put this in the perspective of a junior tennis player looking to work on something
1: new. So let's say they, they haven't learned a topspin forehand yet, so I would start them off with the paddle. Um, the ball is lower bouncing, so they end up with more balls in their strike zone. The court There's less court to cover, and so for kids, their stride is a lot smaller than an adult, and so they can cover that court like a pro tennis player would cover the bigger court, taking the same number of steps and practicing good footwork patterns like that. But just simply, if you're teaching somebody a topspin forehand, just finding the sweet spot is a lot easier with the paddle because it's shorter um, than it is on the tennis racket, and so I found that players are able to get it and they're able to rally and you're able to put them in various scenarios. So instead of just working on the technique of hitting the ball, now we can put them in scenarios where they have to place the ball properly cross court, place it down the line, put together patterns, and then they transition that same thing to the tennis court.
0: So just so people understand, you grew up playing tennis. You are a tennis teaching professional. So you understand the game of tennis inside and out why did you feel the need to develop spec tennis? What was missing for you that spec tennis fills?
1: Oh Well, initially, was, there wasn't really anything missing. Um, I initially developed it just as a fun fun sport. Um, I went out on a pickleball court one day. I hadn't played pickleball before, but I'd played platform tennis and paddle tennis in Venice Beach. And I just wanted to try to have fun out on the pickleball court. So that's kind of how it started. Um, but as time went on, I thought, well, this could be a really good tool for players, especially um, new players into tennis, just being able to get to a rallying stage a lot quicker than they might be able to on a full size tennis court with a a 27 inch racket. And I think that's, for me, I think that's one of the things that deters people from tennis in the first place is just, it takes so long to be able to play the game. And so I saw that, well, you have a lot more control with the paddle. It's not as powerful. The ball's not going haywire um, for a beginning player. And so why not? try this out in my lessons and see if it can actually work. And so I've been doing that for about the past year and a half now, um, pretty much all my lessons and uh, they love it. And it's, it's just been, I think a really good training tool.
0: We know USTA launched well, the ITF and USTA launched red, orange, green, yellow progression years ago now um, where you progressed, you know, starting with a smaller racket, shorter court, lower compression ball and moving up as the skills developed and USTA tied it to ages, then it became tied to skill. How does spec tennis work in conjunction or in lieu of the red, orange, green, yellow progression?
1: I think you could um, use it as both. So you could you could use red, orange, uh, green, yellow or you can do spec tennis instead, or you can do a combination of both. Um, I think that the biggest issue that I have with the red, orange, green, yellow, I think it's a great concept, but I just think that it has this, this stigma attached to it that it's kids tennis. Like you said, they branded it first as kids and then they branded it as skill level. And so if you try to get an adult out there with an orange ball with a tennis racket, they're, they're thinking, all right, when we'll, we'll do this for a couple shots, but now I'm, I'm ready to go to the real ball and same thing with kids. They want to play what their parents are playing. So with spec tennis, the good thing about it is everybody uses the same equipment on the same size court. So if you have if you have um, like a twenty five inch rack with an orange ball with a kid, they don't feel like they're playing kids' tennis. They're playing just a complimentary sport. So I think that's the advantage that it has, even though I love the the concept of red, orange, green, yellow, and I I do use it daily.
0: And, I mean, one of the things that that I think you just mentioned that's so fun about spec tennis, too, is that the whole family can be out there together, and regardless of the tennis skill level, they can have a fun spec tennis match, even if they're not great at tennis or even if there's a big discrepancy in skill level on a tennis court, right?
1: Yes, exactly. I mean, I've seen so many families go out there and play tennis. Like, on the court next to me, I'm giving a lesson, and it just turns into... I'm sure you've seen it before. It just turns into a disaster where the parents start getting mad at the kids for, you know, not controlling the ball on the court, and it ends pretty quickly. And I actually was giving a lesson. It was uh, five or five people. Uh, three of them were playing tennis on their own on the court next to me um, for half of the lesson, and then well, I worked with two of them uh, all in the same family, and then I saw it kind of deteriorate with the, the family tennis on the court next to me. So when they, that group came over to my tennis lesson, I brought out the spec tennis paddles. We started doing that because I knew that they would already lost their patience with tennis for the day. And then the other two that were in the previous lesson with me saw how much fun these three were having and they kind of, they, they joined up. So eventually the rest of the lesson became spec tennis. And I told them, Hey, next time you guys come out on the court, why don't you, why don't you do this instead? Because you're gonna have a lot more fun. No balls are going over the fence. You're not getting mad at your kids. The kids aren't getting mad at you, that sort of thing. And so I think, uh, Sorry, that was kind of a long, long way to describe that story, but I think that (laughs) has a lot of power um, in itself. And oftentimes parents too, when they, they go out with their kids, they might not be the most skilled tennis players, right? They, they might not be giving the kid the right ball in order for the kid to have success, but that, but yet they get upset with the kid when the kid can't hit it back to them. Whereas spec tennis, there's a lot more room for error, right? You don't have to be striking the ball quite as well to be able to control it back to your family member.
0: Right. Right. One of the things you've done recently is creating um, an organization around spec tennis, the United States Spec Tennis Association. Why did you feel the need to do that? And what is the purpose of the association?
1: I think the purpose is is mainly to just kind of govern the sport. So people who want to host tournaments in the future and leagues and things like that, um, they have a kind of a sense of direction on how to do that. And it's not just kind of a free for all. Um, with anybody going out and creating their own rules for the sport and things like that. Um, And then there's been, uh, there's an ambassador network um, that was recently created as well with uh, people throughout the country who are growing and promoting spec tennis in their local areas. And that's been, uh, it's been pretty fun, pretty successful as well. So that's how people like uh, Dave fish, the former Harvard coach, that's how he got kind of turned on to spec tennis. And he's been uh, making pretty good waves in the Boston area with it.
0: I love that. So you are having tournaments. Leagues are starting to crop up around the country. Um, do you see spec tennis as competing with tennis or complementing tennis?
1: I really think it complements it. Um, somebody asked me the other day, do you think like these alternative racket sports take players away from tennis? And I, I don't think they do. I think that if we didn't have alternative racket sports, I think people would be doing other activities but they wouldn't be doing tennis just because you take away pickleball and spec tennis and all these other ones. I think that they're going to find some kind of activity, whether it's mountain biking or some kind of workout program. And so having these alternative racket sports is great. Uh, I think that a hundred percent of the population is not cut out to be a tennis player. So yes, there's a certain percentage that's just going to stick with their alternative racket sport, but then there's also a certain percentage that's going to transition into tennis. So once they once they uh, get some skills in one of the alternative racket sports and they'll say, Hey, I want a little bigger court. I want to, you know, I watched Wimbledon the other day. I want to try to play in that. And they already have kind of a skill set to be successful in that rather than coming in cold, um, from the, from day one in tennis. And then maybe, maybe dropping out if they're not that committed to putting in the time and the, the money to get really good.
0: Are you getting any pushback at all from like USTA or universal tennis? Um, as you know, coming in and trying to steal their consumers?
1: No, I haven't, haven't heard anything from the USTA. Um, I think Universal Tennis, I think I love them. I think uh I'd like to develop something similar or partner with them in the future on getting a uh just a level-based uh rating system going, so not gender-based, but level-based. I think it's a great concept. Um, so actually talking to somebody the other day who's somebody in I think USDA New England is interested and wants to try out spec tennis and see if uh they can get something going with it as well. So I think that uh, there was this, this article came out about the tennis boom, um, which I think is great, but I think it's also a little bit artificial because as things start opening back up, people go back to their regular activities. So I think anything we can do to kind of spur the growth of tennis. And I think, I really think spec tennis can help with that. So I think, uh, the USTA, if they don't see it already, I think they can eventually see how that can kind of help. Um, especially with, uh, In my opinion, people that enter pickleball don't often then transition into tennis. And so I think pickleball might be potentially taking away some candidates that could be playing tennis or as spec tennis can combat a little bit of that.
0: Got it. One aspect of spec tennis that you've really been trying to promote is from the coaching side and from the club side, using spec tennis as, like you said, an entry into tennis What coaches do to bring spec tennis into their facility, their park, their club, whatever.
1: Uh, Did you ask what can coaches do to bring it in? Yes. Um, So it's very easy. I mean, you just really just need the the paddles and the balls. Most clubs already have the orange balls. uh, So you just need the paddles. You don't even need pickleball courts. uh, You can do it on tennis courts. If you wanted to really maximize your space, you can fit four of these courts on one tennis court. And so I've actually had a, really good success. I ran a program for 12 weeks, uh, three, four week sessions um, through a local uh, town near me. I just wanted to test it out and see if I could kind of break the norm of uh, what tennis tennis pros do. Typically as a tennis pro, we're used to like four four players per pro or six players per pro, something like that. Once in a while, we get eight, maybe in a junior clinic, but I wanted to see if I could really push the boundaries on that. So I went with 14 kids plus me, and the reason I didn't go higher than that was because COVID, that was the, that was the limit. You could have 14 kids in a class. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to see if I could successfully run the clinic with just me as the coach and 14 kids, which sounded crazy at the time. Um, but it worked really well. And I ended up adding two more sessions for a total of 12 weeks. And the reason that I think it was so successful was because with Spec Tennis, I find that you can do more rally-based activities with the players right away. Um, whereas in tennis, you might have to spend a lot more time on technique and control and feeding out of the basket. So I did zero feeding out of the basket. Everything was partner based and I just roamed around and gave quick tips the whole time. Everything fast paced, a lot of rotations playing against different people every couple minutes. And so I encourage, um, tennis pros and clubs to, uh, to look at this. I think it's a great revenue source because I didn't discount my prices just because I had a large number of kids in the class and I didn't have any comp. From the parents, in fact, they wanted me to add more classes as well. So I think it can be a really good um, addition to any club, especially in terms of maximizing the space, fit, being able to fit for at least four times more players on one tennis court than you currently do.
0: What type of feedback did you get from the kids themselves?
1: The kids, uh, the kids loved it. I mean, most of them hadn't done tennis classes before, but a few of them did, and they said that that was the most fun tennis class they'd, they'd ever had, and they felt like they could actually play against each other and compete, which a lot of kids like some of the kids don't like competing, but then you just kind of compete with your partner to try to get the highest rally you can in one minute or something like that. So different kids are doing different activities. But uh, most of the time after the class, like they just kept they kept playing. Um, they didn't. The class ended and they, they were still playing on the courts and their parents you know had already showed up to pick them up. And so I think it was re- really good feedback from the kids.
0: Are you finding that in programs like that, that the kids are actually purchasing paddles or do you just bring enough for everybody?
1: Um, so I gave them the option of renting a paddle for the session or buying a paddle um, and pretty discounted price as well, since they signed up for the class. Um, but the the way I explained it to the parents was that I encourage your kids to to practice on their own, like the skills that we're learning in the class. And I gave them some examples of things that the parents can do in the driveway with the kids, even if the parent doesn't have a paddle. And I just basically explained to them, I think it's really important that they at least hit the ball a couple times before the next class, because it's a lot harder to improve if they just come to class once a week and then they don't touch the paddle again. So I really encourage them to have the paddles and take them home, whether they were renting them or buying them. And I think they, they all appreciated that I was putting in that effort to, you know, give them some things that they can practice with their kids at home because a lot of times a parent will go out with a kid and they won't have a, a clue of what they should be doing with the kid or what's going on in the class and they'll just hit the ball and it's not really that productive. And as a result, maybe not that fun, so they don't do it a lot. But I actually had some parents end up purchasing paddles as well because they were having fun practicing with their kids at home um, as a result of that. so.
0: And they're a lot easier to pack when you go on vacation, I have to say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> A lot easier to take a paddle than a full-size
1: racket. Exactly. I, in fact, funny story. Uh, somebody sent me a video the other day. They were playing in the airport. I think it was Dallas. Um, so they were waiting for their flight. Uh, a guy and a girl. They they were just rallying in the in the terminal. And I was thinking, wow, this is crazy. Nobody nobody stopped them, and it went on for like ten minutes. <laughs>
0: I love so. it. I love it. It's a great way to pass time and uh, and get some exposure for spec tennis for sure. so can we talk specifically about junior tennis and junior tennis development if you've got a new player who is you know just coming to the game of tennis and you're trying to teach them the technical aspects of a forehand a backhand a serve a volley an overhead what are some specific things you would do using the spec tennis paddle and the shorter court and the orange dot ball to help them learn the technique, really internalize the technique, and then transfer that to a tennis racket and a tennis court?
1: So if a, if a player's coming in cold and they're there's a complete beginning player, I usually go through five stages on a forehand, five stages on a backhand. So, the first one is just an open paddle. So the paddle face is pointed up to the sky. So like open strings on a tennis racket, as if you were going to slice the ball and I just have them blocked the ball from low to high uh, with very little backspin. So this is like a defensive shot, but I have found that that gets them to a rallying stage, the quickest versus taking a full swing right away. So they're just really just tapping the ball over the net. And once they can do that, then I'll have them uh, stage two, add a little bit of slice, but still in a defensive shot. So making the ball rise off their racket um, as if they're hitting a lob, a defensive lob. And then number three, and I explained to them the reason for the spin is then you can control the ball more in the court. So if you're hitting the ball out and you're hitting it completely flat, you might not have a way to get that into the court besides maybe taking less swing or slowing it down. But if you can start adding spin to the ball, you can control the placement better. Um, Level three would be an offensive slice. So the typical slice that you see in tennis where you're most of the time starting higher than the ball, cutting down the back of it. And then level four, I introduce a flat forehand. Um, So typically, uh, I find that the change from the slice to the topspin forehand is uh, a greater degree of change than simply closing the paddle face a little bit and hitting it flat. And then finally, stage five is a topspin forehand. So I I don't know if that answered your question, if I (laughs) did a good job. But
0: this is all being done with the paddle.
1: All being done with the paddle, but then... I might, depending on what their, what their goal is, like, so some people might take a spec tennis lesson, we'll stick with the paddle, but other people are taking a tennis lesson. We'll do this with the paddle. And then within each of these stages, then we'll do it with the racket as well. So maybe, maybe the goal is they got to make a 10 ball rally with me with just that simple block swing where they're just tapping the ball over the net. Okay. Then they, they achieve that. Maybe now they need to do it cross court. Maybe now they need to make it past a certain zone in the court. So they got to work on depth. And then maybe after that, then we grab the tennis racket or maybe have them choke up on the tennis racket first and then hold the handle at full length after that. And so basically without even telling them what to do, they're experiencing this progression of e- of simple to complex or easy to easy to a little bit harder because their racket's getting bigger as they're going through this process. And then I was going to yeah, you're just extending the lever, right? Exactly. And then if I wanted to continue from there, then we switch to a, a green dot ball or a yellow yellow ball after that. But typically when I introduce the racket, I give them the same same ball because then they, they're only thinking about one thing. They're thinking about finding the center of the racket. They're not worried about the bounce of the ball bouncing at a different height and having to maybe change their footwork based on the ball that I'm hitting to them now. So that's typically um, the pro- pro- progression that I'll take them through. And I, I'll do that multiple times in a lesson. So they get so used to um, there's really training their brain to find the center of the paddle or the racket. They're, there's no transition time when they switch back and forth when they do it that way. So initially, if you if you grab the paddle, maybe maybe you miss hit the first ball um, when you switch to the racket. But after going through progressions like this, it's just the brain is trained to find that now, which I think is great. So it's like I switch to a ping pong paddle, I can hit on the center. I switch to a tennis racket, a squash racket, whatever, pickleball paddle, hit on the center but that's because I've done it enough where I've just trained my brain to move the racket to the right spot.
0: Right. Right. And so what if you have a player who, you know, they're established as a tennis player, but you're trying to teach them a new type of spin or a new type of shot. How would you incorporate spec tennis and the paddle and the the ball Uh, to help them learn, for example, a short angle shot or a slice
1: backhand? So good question. I mean, typically the more established player, I'll I'll focus more on uh, tactics and things like that. Um, So for example, like a lot of kids can't take the ball on the rise very well on the full court, but it's very easy to take the ball on the rise on the spec tennis court. So I put them in situations where they have to take it on the rise. Um, But just, just kind of the same way, like I would teach them an advanced swing. Like if I wanted to teach them a good slice backhand, I would teach them an advanced swing and teach them the footwork that goes into it and how to put the spin on the ball, um, but just in that more controlled environment. So lower bouncing ball, um, shorter shorter beam that they're working with. And then with a more advanced player, it might only take a couple swings before we switch them to the tennis racket um, because they already have the pretty good skills. Maybe they just have never hit that shot before. Um, but I found that with um, patterns and tactics, especially, um, like if you wanted to get a kid serving and volleying, and they're you know ten years old, and it's a very daunting task for them to try to do it on the tennis court. I have them do it in spec tennis. They get the confidence; they're not afraid of the ball when they come up to the net because it's a soft ball. They feel like they can cover the court better. So even if the other person hits a pretty good passing shot, they can still make that volley. And then that just that confidence alone helps them do it better on the tennis court. And um, I like to use uh, somebody mentioned to me a while back um, talking about futsal, which is uh, a different form of soccer that they use. Uh, a lot of high level players train with it, and it's a smaller field, a little different size ball, less number of players. But you have to be able to create, um, you have to be able to create, uh, sorry, patterns in you have to be able to put together plays in that smaller space. And so your, your passes have to be very precise and you have to have really good control of the ball. And so I I like to think of it sort of like that as well. Like in spec tennis, you could have two high level players playing and it's a lot harder to put the ball away. So you have to really develop that point better than you might have to in tennis, where maybe on your first volley, you hit a winner in spec tennis, you might have to hit three or four volleys to hit the winner because the other person has a better ability to get it back. So I find a lot of power in, training patterns and tactics um, even for really high level players, because then when they get back to the regular tennis court, like it seems so much easier. I have so much more space to develop this pattern now and um, I'm doing well.
0: Right. And I could see too, with more advanced older players, you know, they, they're not going to be happy if you put them on a red ball um, maybe, but you know, going to a whole different, style of equipment with the paddle and the orange ball it's not like they're going to little kid tennis they're just going to more specific tennis right where they have total control over the ball as you're saying they have time to think um you know it's the ball's not coming back so quickly at them that they can't get in position they have time to work on their footwork and and those patterns they have time to recover and even like i would think working on a player's net game you know trying to get them to split sets uh, excuse me split step as they move forward it's often very difficult with the yellow ball because the ball's coming so fast but with the paddle and the orange dot you know that's when you can really hone that skill
1: exactly and it can really be whatever you want it to be, it can be as slow or as fast as you want. So if you were just working on control with a beginning player that you can give them a lot of reaction time. But if you're playing with very high performance junior players, they can actually rip the ball back and forth at each other. And it's, it's quite fun. And if they can put enough spin on the ball, they can really crack the ball and uh, you can actually reduce the reaction time because it's that shorter space, the less time elapses between each shot at the higher levels than in tennis. Sure, sure.
0: So if somebody is interested in learning more about spec tennis or getting involved in the sport, how do they go about doing that?
1: Well, the best place to start is spectennis.com, S P E C T E N N I S.com. Or you can send me an email, mate at spec as well.
0: Awesome. And we'll have all of that information in the show notes on parentingaces.com. Are there tournaments starting to crop up? How do people get involved in those?
1: Yeah, it's been uh, dead for about the past year and a half, uh, which I'm mm-hmm. sure most stuff has been. Uh, but we're planning a big one for uh, Florida, a national tournament in uh, February, hopefully. And then um, hopefully some local tournaments will start popping up, um, either ambassadors hosting them or myself hosting them as well. Um, before the pandemic, I was doing a couple tournaments a year in Northern California. Uh, now I've relocated to Lake Tahoe, so I've got to figure out where the next tournaments will be, but um, definitely there's definitely hearing demand from players to play in tournaments and leagues, so that's, that's a really good thing.
0: I love it. It's great news for you, great news for spec tennis, and great news for tennis as a whole. Um, I, I'm really hopeful that more coaches will investigate this as a teaching opportunity for their high-performance players, too, because what a nice change of pace for the kids that are out there grinding you know, for hours every day, day after day after day, to, to do something a little bit different. Um, Hopefully maybe rekindle some of the fun aspect of why they're out there in the first place. Right.
1: Yeah. You hit hit the nail on the head there. I mean, just thinking back to myself playing junior tennis, I mean, it's a grind for sure. And it's lonely out there being by yourself, traveling a couple hours to tournaments. And so just having something nice where, you know, I would go home after school and think, Oh, I got to play tennis today. You know, I still loved it, but some days you just don't want to play. And so having something nice like, yes, I can play spec tennis today. I think that'll that can kind of keep the love in the game. It's just just different enough doing something different once in a while,
0: different enough, but also similar enough that they can use the skills that they know from tennis or are learning in tennis then perfect them with spec and take it back to the full-size court with the, the regular racket. I, I think it's a great alternative for for the kids. And again, for the families, you know, to be able to pack up four or six or however many people there are in your group, um, to pack up the paddles and the orange balls, certainly way easier than schlepping tennis rackets on vacation and, you know, Pretty much every hotel now has tennis courts nearby, if not on property. What a great thing to do as a family when you're taking a break from the daily grind.
1: Exactly. (laughs) Thank you. Well,
0: Nate, it's been a pleasure to check in with you again. I hope you'll stay in touch and keep us posted on these tournaments as they start to pop up. Hopefully, everybody's getting vaccinated and we're going to see all of our sports and activities back to full capacity. But in the meantime, get some spec tennis paddles, grab a couple of orange dot balls, get out in your driveway, get on your local park tennis court and start playing around with it and have some fun, develop the skills, enjoy being together as a family outdoors. And uh, yeah, let's just, let's help these racket sports continue to grow. It's, it's a great thing.
1: Well, wow, thank you so much. For the very kind words. I appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. Nate, thank you again for being on to my listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll catch you next time on Parenting Aces. I'm Lisa Stone, and you've been listening to the Parenting Aces podcast. For tennis parents, by a tennis parent. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to us and write a review on iTunes. For more information on navigating the junior and college tennis journey,